This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Alexia, hurry up and get in here. The show's starting. The show's starting. Hurry up. You need to hurry to be here when the show's on time. Just like you need to hurry up and download the app from DraftKings. DraftKings, the worldwide leader in one-day fantasy sports. We're the halfway part of the season. Oh, my. She's looking at me like she wants to kill me. That's what cats do. Playing daily fantasy is simple. Uh, pick your lineup. Pick your team. Uh, stay under the salary cap. See how the team stacks up. Get that excitement just like when you're holding a cat that's about to scratch your eyes out. You just, there's no way. There's no way to fake this level of excitement. The only way to replicate the feeling of holding an animal that wants to hurt you and to be that excited is to play DraftKings. Or you could just just get a cat and hold them like this. Nope, play DraftKings. With DraftKings payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app and use code THPN during the sign-up. Cat is scratching me. THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Dear heavens, that cat wants to destroy you. You should probably let that cat go. All right, get get that thing. Get that thing. All right, everybody, welcome. Oh dear heavens! Just all right, everybody, welcome to the big midweek show. That is the cat sound. Some of that. All right, we've had enough cat sound now. All right. You can never have enough cat sound. A fact, people never have enough cat sound. Hey, hey, I think the camera's wrong. The can't no, the camera's fine. Yeah, because it shows that it's orange. Hey, people, this drink is pink, not orange. Yes, the Dublin Fru Fru Berry. It does look pink. Yes, yeah, so it's a little bit off. That they, the camera does make it look orange. Does, does my shirt have anything wrong with it? No, your shirt looks normal. No, it's, it's red, yeah. It's weird. Blue. All yeah, right. I guess that's a lighter blue than that, but not really. Soda blue. of the week, Dublin Frufru Berry. Anyway. Oh my goodness, that smells like cotton candy. I, I, I smelled it. I can smell it from over here. Oh dear it's heavens. So cotton candy. Oh my goodness, this is just pure oh sugar. Wowza. All right, let's give this a drink. Yeah, what is that? Stay in my mouth, won't you? No, Pat, okay, I'll let you out, okay? Are you happy now? I think she's happy now. Maybe. Probably not, though. I can't hold it for long in my mouth because of how um, bubbly it is. What is that? It's real sweet. It tastes good, but... It's some kind of candy. Dear heavens. Anyway. You frustrate me for as long as I'm drinking. It tastes like a Jolly Rancher. Mm-hmm. Tastes like a Jolly Rancher. That's good. 
That is a good soda pop. It's a good soda pop. All right. All right, Lex, anything you want to tell the people before you get out of here? Oh, that's a, that's some note. Um, I like cats. There we go. Wonderful. Thank you for being on the show today, Lex. Yes, you like cats. Be, be on your merry. Yes, don't, don't, you don't poke people in the eye. Get out. I'm, I'm going to poke you on the nose. Okay. All right. I got booped on the nose. There we go. See you later, kid. Enjoy your liquid Jolly Rancher. Go boop kittens. There we go. All right. Welcome to the show this week, folks. It has been just though what a week it's been. Um, for me, I got the first round of the COVID shot this week, so that's that was exciting. Uh, go get vaccinated, folks, when you get the chance. Uh, in Ohio, I know I've seen some people saying they're not sure how to get it. Um, in Ohio, if you go to the website gettheshot.coronavirus.ohio.gov. They take you through a little form where you fill out some things, see if you're eligible. Um, also, certain places that I know of, I think Giant Eagles one, uh, the uh, the other one's the um, where I got mine, Discount Drug Mart. They've got where you can get on wait lists and that sort of thing. Go sign up, get on the wait list. The Discount Drug Mart one was real easy because you, you sign up for the wait list. Uh, they texted me when it was time with a link where to go, picked my, my appointment. Super easy. Uh, so definitely do that, folks. Get out there, get vaccinated. All right. Jumping into the minor depression, those Blue Jackets hockey. Uh, since we've talked last, the Blue Jackets have lost and the and the Blackhawks have won. So at this point, the Blue Jackets are now back to fifth, um, both in points and in points percentage. Uh, so Dallas is right beneath them. Dallas has got 28 points in 29 games, so they're at a 43. Columbus has 33 points in 33 games. They're at a 500. And Chicago is 35 points in 33 games. So they're at 530. So looking at the odds from uh, Money Puck, the Blue Jacks are down to a 6.8% chance to make the playoffs. That's not a surprise. Um, this last game. See, here's the thing. So let's let's talk about this. So I'm looking at, at natural stat trick and their their stats on the Blue Jackets here on the Blue Jackets games. So they lost this last game three nothing. At five on five scoring venue adjusted, it, their Corsi four was forty point six two percent, and their expected goals for is thirty seven point oh eight percent. That expected goals for is actually less than what it was the 3-2 game they won in the shootout. See, when you're looking at these odds out there for playoffs and you're thinking to yourself, wait, the Blue Jackets are only, you know, a point, two points back of the playoff spot. What's the problem? Why are they less likely to make the playoffs? Why do all these places sell the Blue Jackets short? Why do they doubt us? Ah, 6-1-4 rule and all that stuff. Nobody trusts the Blue Jackets. Well, there's a reason for that, folks. Uh, if you look at the whole league and look at expected goals for percentage, the Blue Jackets are seventh. Uh, yeah, seventh at 45.94. Now, granted, one of the teams below them is the Blackhawks at a 45.50. But it, it, the team's just not... 
The Blackhawks have been doing a better job, uh, I don't know, just slightly better job, outperforming their expected goals for. The other statistic that gets looked at a lot is that Corsi for. Now, again, not a perfect correlation, but the Blue Jackets are second to worst in the league at 45.97. They're just – the team's not very good, and that's that's the that's the reality of it. Um, and it, it's one of those things where – a lot of fans this year have been talking about, oh, you know, without Jonas Corposalo, this team's doesn't even have a chance. This team's nowhere near, you know, where they need to be or anything like that. Whereas the reality is not that. Um, a a uh, uh, a stat that I like to to look at for how well a goal, goalie's playing. It's expect goals of say goals saved above expected. And the idea is there, we've talked about expected goals. Essentially, the idea of if you take a shot that 50% of the time goes in, that's 0.5 expected goals. If it's 10% of the time, it's 0.1 expected goals, that sort of thing. So the idea is you look at how many expected goals have been shot at a goaltender and how many have actually gone in. And the idea being if you're at zero, you're doing is exactly what would be expected out of the shots you've been given. Negative bad, meaning you have saved less goals than you should have. Jonas Corposalo on, on the evolving hockey rankings on this has got the fifth, the, I'm sorry, the seventh worst goal saved above average in the league at negative 10.03. Negative 10.03. Not good. Elvis Mers Lincolns, 21st work at worst at negative 5.03. The best, so I mean, that gives you an idea there. Uh, a player that's at zero. Let me get somebody who's at a zero here. Closest to zero is uh, Kevin Lykanen from Chicago. He's at a negative 0.03. Uh, after that, you get to Jonathan Bernier in uh, Detroit at a 0.68 as far as saved. Giving you an idea of the best in the league right now, Andre Vasilevsky at a 16.62. After that, Mark andre Fleury, 12.37. Thatcher Demko in, in Vancouver at a 10. So Thatcher Demko has helped his team as much as Corpusalo has hurt his team. And that, that's, I think, something that would blow Blue Jackets fans away because most Blue Jackets fans, any given night, because we watch games and we see these amazing saves because Corpusal has made some just incredible highlight reel saves. And I've even seen some of the people who cover the Blue Jackets being like, oh, a top 10 saves of the year is going to be half Corpusalo and half Elvis. Yeah, that's nice when you make a big pretty save. But a lot of the goals that have gone in have just been, oh, they've just kind of been let down goals. And it doesn't help that our team does not, uh, you know, outchance the other team or have a higher expected goals than the other team because that just hurts us even more. Because that requires one of the reasons the Blue Jacks are having a, a, a tough season is they have to uh, essentially out, you know, outperform their expected goals for. Um, because, I mean, their expected goals for this season is 50.43. They've got 60.52 goals against. And these are five-on-five score advantage adjusted, which is why there's that point in there. 
but it gives you an idea. You know what? Let's just switch it to all strength so we can get some nice round even numbers there. Giving you an idea of how this team's underperforming on this. And that's the other thing. When you look at all situations, so um, thought, you know, power plays and everything else, or overtime, Blue Jackets are worse in the league at expected goals for percentage 44.93. So their expected goals for this season, 66.04. They've scored 84. Expected goals against in all situations, 80.93. They've given up 103 goals. The team is offensively outperforming. It's a, it's the the advanced numbers, and they're underperforming on defense. This is not the Blue Jackets teams we know from the past. That's just what it is. Um, Dom Lechuzhin put out his um, kind of a, an article today talking about what kind of you know, where teams are at as far as their pace, their point projection by pace, and where he's projecting them to finish. And he's expecting the Blue Jacks to do exactly what they've been doing. They're on a pace to finish 22, 22, and 12. His projection has them at 23, 23, and 10. So, uh, you know, maybe a, a point, I mean, a point or so difference in there, almost nothing. Actually, it's 56. The, proje- the pace they're at is a 56-point pace. His projection, uh, goodness, they're just, has them right there at 56. I mean, it, it, what he wrote about it, and I'll just read it for you here, folks. One of the biggest surprises this season was the complete downfall of the Blue Jackets. While there's still time for a comeback, their record doesn't lie. What you see is what you get. As a team, as the team has a goal percentage that matches their expected percentage in all situations, earning every bit of their minus nine, negative 19 goal differential. Maybe some of the team's better players return to form for a late-season surge, but a 56-point season might be Columbus's best bet if their level of play remains the same. It's not a good season, folks. That's where you need to have your, comp- your, your expectations at this point. So, uh, We're going to hear from our friends of the Hockey Podcast Network, then we're going to come back with some, uh, some interesting stories around the league to try and finish it off. He's my brother, Mike. He's my brother, Matt. And we are the brothers of discussion hosting Red Wings Rant, where tirades and impassioned pleas about your Detroit Red Wings finally have a hope. In a season mired in tragedy and despair, we are here to be your audible Earl Grey, to bring joy, placidity, and perspective to one of the roughest eras in Red Wing history. Ah! We honor the past, find the positives in the present, I swear they're there. And paint the picture of what's to come in the Winged Wheels future. Paul Woods here on the radio broadcast of your Detroit Red Wings. And I'm going to play games like, who's that? Who's that come on. Where Matt has to try and guess quotes pulled right out of context for Jeff Blashell. And we got to figure out who that Red Wing is. <laughs> Every episode, we put ourselves in the legendary shoes of Steve Eiserman And play Be the GM. Finding ways to ice a competitive team while accumulating assets for the franchise's future. We also shoot the breeze. Some of the great local and national voices in Red Wings hockey, including Ken Kell and Keith Gave and Greg Wyshynski and Ryan Lambert. Check us out every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And check us out live every Wednesday and Sunday for Red Wings reactions and live conversations with you on our YouTube channel, The Brothers of Discussion. All right, folks. So, uh, the NHL had a real fun moment this week. Um, so to go down to the story, 
with I'll just read part of this from the ESPN article. With 15.04 left in the second period, this was a game last night between the Predators and the Red Wings, Predators forward Victor Arvidsson was called for tripping Red Wings defenseman John Merrill in the offensive zone. Even though replay showed that Merrill embellished his fall to help draw the call, Peel made the penalty call from center ice. With 12.42 remaining in the second period, the Nashville broadcast captured audio from Peel saying, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a beeping penalty against Nashville early. After that today, Tim Peel was fired. Um, the quote from the NHL uh, from Colin Campbell there. Nothing is more important than ensuring the integrity of our game. Tim Peel's conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence of that cornerstone principle that we demand of our officials and that our fans, players, coaches, and all associated with our game expect and deserve. There is no justification for his comments, no matter the context or his intention, and the National Hockey League will take any and all steps necessary to attempt to protect the integrity of our game. Okay, folks. We have known for a long time that NHL officials do makeup calls. For those of you not familiar with the term, the idea is the they will call a penalty on one team. Uh, even if the penalty is deserved, the team the, the refs are less likely to call the next penalty on the same team. If the referees, after making the call, perceive that they made the wrong call they will then try and do a makeup call where they say, you know what? I made a mistake. Now I'm going to call a penalty for the other team. Kind of even this up. Or there are times where they'll be like, you know what? The game's just going. I just won't call anything. Um, it, it's kind of just been known for a while that the NHL is fine with their coaches and their, or their officials using game management when it comes to calling penalties. The problem with that is you, something may happen a dozen times in the game and th- this is what annoys me the most on it, is you notice it all the time with cross-checking. Uh, the other night, I forget which game it was against the Hurricanes, but Nick Foligno cross-checked the player into the boards and got called for boarding. Now, th- it, that was the right call because he knocked him into the boards and it was kind of a scary look. But the cross-check, cross-checking happens a dozen or two dozen times every game. Every team does it, especially in front of that, where you just cross-check a guy in the back, just hit him, hit him, hit him. And they, and they'll, and, and broadcasters will constantly say, oh, look at him battling. Like, no, that's a penalty. It would be like in the NFL, if when linemen and, and the defense linemen were grab, you know, blocking and, and trying to get past each other, if one just grabbed the other one's face mark and just started trying to wave their helmet around and whatnot, no, that's illegal hand to the face or face mask. And and it's just obvious. And they, they cross-check all the time, but no one calls it. Um, embellishment. Honestly, the amount of times a guy's stick will get close to someone and the guy will just grab it and like hold it. You could call embellishment on that. And that's the thing. The thing that seems to be crazy is you hear people say, well, if you called a penalty and everything, the game would be nothing but five on, five on four the whole game. But if you started doing that, you would see less penalties. And if you saw less penalties, then you can be sure there would be more scoring. If you called it every time there was a guy standing in front of the net and a guy cross-checked him in the back to get rid of him, and you just said, nope, two minutes cross-checking, guess what would stop real quick? Cross-checking. But the thing is, they fired Tim Peel. Now, first of all, let's all 
recognize this for the stupid move that it is. Tim Peel was retiring at the end of the season. I think he missed something like like he's going to miss refing his last 12 games or something. The guy's still going to get his retirement, all of that. I don't feel that bad for Tim Peel. Just that he's kind of the sacrificial lamb for something that everyone knows they did. Everyone knows everybody did it. I mean, it, it would be like if a member of Congress at this point were were expelled from Congress for you know, somebody giving campaign contributions in exchange for all votes certain ways. We all, every member of Congress does it. All of them do it. So to expel one of them for it is to be like, oh, look, they're the bad one. We fixed the problem. Tim Peel has been a referee for decades at this point. If you think last night was the first time he did this, you were very naive. <laughs> I, I just I can't think of another way to put it. I mean, just, obviously they've been doing this for years. I mean, Considering the fact that the other refs didn't fight back on it, I think at the end of the little recording, you could hear another ref go, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Peel mentioned, I wanted to get one in on Nashville early. To the point, Money Puck put out a uh, graph today. What's the chance the next penalty is on the home team? Um, And they tweeted this out with, when you peel things back, guessing what team will get the next penalty is quite predictable. And the way they look at it is home team penalties taken minus away team penalties taken in game so far and by score. And it's pretty well seen pretty quickly that depending on the score of the game and how many penalties the one team has taken over the other, how likely it is they're going to call the next penalty on somebody. Because they just they just make makeup calls all the time. That's what they do. And something that I love, because one of the things that happens in hockey is they, you know, there's a controversy and then it goes away. Money Puck has now added something to their site. Because you can go to Money Puck at any given time and see the odds of a certain team winning a game. And they start with what it is at the beginning of the game. And then once a team scores, that odd just keeps going up based on what's happening um, and based on what's going on in the game, how things are happening, all of that scoring chances, all of that. They have added probability next penalty is on the home team. And I love it. I want them to just leave that up forever because it's going to kind of just expose the NHL for all the crap and, and the fact that the penalties are, are there. And, and I'm expecting money puck at some point will come out and show how accurate they've been on it. So what do I think they should do? I think you should get the NHL officials in the room and say, hey, stop calling penalties based on game management. Just call penalties. Just call the penalties. The players would be safer. You'd have more offense. Teams would clean up what they do. Just call penalties. All right, last thing for today. Um, someone on Twitter here, this at uh, YOLO underscore Pinato. Um, they're a dude on Twitter that has a lot of person on Twitter that's got a lot of people following him. Um, put up just an interesting thing that created some some controversy. Uh, and maybe not controversy, it's just discussion. We'll call it discussion. Now, I want to discuss it because I think these are fun little thought experiments are fun sometimes. It's, uh, first list, uh, the list here, my first 10 days as the NHL commissioner. Number one, no more 80s rock arena music. Two, ban the dress code. Three, no more offer sheet compensation. Four, Max contract of four years. 
Uh, five, no non-trade, no no trade clauses. Six, ELCs can become a full UFA after four years if they don't sign a qualifying offer. Seven, at least two women slash minority candidates for every role. Uh, the last, the last few here. Eight, Megan the Stallion in charge of all arena entertainment. Nine, keep the draft, but do it MLB style where players can choose to sign up to their max slot compensation, or the team has to pick someone else. Ten, two point goals from the blue line. Eleven, no offside. Twelve, no icing on the PK. Done. All right. I'm going to run through those real quick, say which ones I agree with, which ones I don't for whatever reason. One, no more 80s rock arena music. Uh, no, I was born in the mid-80s. Keep the 80s rock music. Two, ban the dress code. That's fine. Um, letting players be themselves a little more is probably a better idea because guess what? If you're the hardcore hockey fan, you don't care what a player wore to the rink that night. You just don't care. If you're if you're kind of more getting into the sport, maybe a player having a better Instagram because they're more fashionable, maybe more people pay attention. That, that's fine. I, I don't think you'll lose anything by getting rid of the dress code. Three, no more offer sheet compensation. Here's the thing. I, I might give you three or six. Six was uh, entry-level contracts can become full UFA after four years if they don't sign the qualifying offer. I might give you one or the other. Um, I mean, the reality is if you don't, if you if you get rid of the offer, if you get rid, if you do six threes, doesn't really matter. I think three and six benefit small market teams, so I'm not as big a fan. Um, I mean, with with a with a salary cap in place, the idea of no more offer sheet compensation is interesting because it does increase the opportunity for someone to do offer sheets. Because um, when you go offer sheet a big name player, it's like three or four first round picks. Uh, the only addendum I might make is maybe add into the offer sheet that because right now the offer sheet, there's a condition where it has to be your own picks. It cannot be picks you traded for. And I might make an addendum where it's no, it can be picks you traded for. So I might do that. Uh, max contract of four years. That could be interesting. Just keeps guys from getting locked in. Has some interesting player movement. I don't know. Um, I don't know. No, no trade clauses. That'd be fun. The players would never stand for it, but that would be fun. Uh, just that anybody could be traded. You don't have to worry about getting permissions and all that. That'd be good. I'd be all for it. Seven, at least two slash women uh, or minority candidates for every role. I don't mind the idea. I think it's a good idea. Uh, the one thing you would have to do is you'd almost have to have a grace period when it came to positions like GM or head coach because the real problem with women minorities not having more roles in NHL as far as the hockey sides of things is – like when you become an NHL head coach, it's not like you're, that's your first coaching job in hockey. You've probably been a head coach in the CHL or maybe the NCAA, or you've been an assistant on the NHL. You've done something else before in hockey. One of the main problems hockey has in both its front offices and its coaching ranks is there's very few minorities or women all the way down. So you need at least a few years of things like because the idea is if you're if you're doing the two women minority candidates for every role, you'll eventually hire some women and minorities for assistant coaches or you know, to coach your teams in the AHL, things like that. And then those guys and women will create the people you interview for, you know, like head coach in the NHL or GM. because um, I know we finally have an a, a black assistant GM down in Florida. So now the thing is there's not that many and again, it's when I say not qualified, what I'm not saying is that they couldn't do the job. I'm just saying that the traditional 
fields people look at and say, okay, I'm hiring a GM for the NHL. I want somebody who has somewhat kind of experience somewhere else. There's not that many in hockey. So it's the kind of problem that has to be, there has to be top down. There has to be people saying we want to fix this, but there also needs to be some type of effort from the bottom up to make that happen. So I like the rule. I just don't know if we go Megan, the stallion in charge of all arena music. No, cause she probably get rid of the eighties rock. Um, keep the drafts, but do an MLB style where players can choose to sign up to their max compensation or the team has to pick somewhere else. This would require probably re-editing how the uh, entry-level contracts are done because right now those can max out. So, I mean, I guess you could just say every team's like, oh, yeah, max. We, he, he gets the max deal on the entry level, but I don't know. Two-point goal from the blue line? No. We don't do that. No more offsides? No. I hate that rule. Um I hate people who I not I don't hate people obviously, but I don't like it whenever people talk about oh get rid of offsides the game will open up. No, we all saw what happened in three on three. When you get rid of offside, teams because in three on three it's very easy to go over the blue line. So what happens in three on three is teams will have it, and if they don't think they have a good shot, they'll just pull out of the zone and recollect. That's what would happen. The game would slow down. You want to create crisis points, which is why the next point is something I'd be all about. No icing on the penalty kill. That would be cool. You would see more scoring on the power play. I say that as a fan of a team who's terrible on the power play. But even then, I mean, I think every team would do better because if you had to actually get it over the red line to flip it, that that makes so much harder to kill a penalty. So anyway, folks, uh, we got games coming up this week. I, I don't even know off the top of my head where the Blue Jacks are going next. I know we've got Carolina again on Thursday. Um We're in the tough stretch now. Uh, yeah, Carolina on Thursday. Um, the Red Wings on Saturday and then Sunday. A couple afternoon games again. I kind of like those. I'm, I'm a fan of when we hit those. Uh, the next Tuesday, the Lightning. Next Thursday, the Lightning. Oh, dear heavens. It's going to get rough in there, folks. Anyway, thank you very much for watching, listening. Whatever you do, please like, subscribe, comment, You know, rate the podcast, all that good stuff. Thank you all very much, and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show, follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief, and thank you for listening.